you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. Week to week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure that is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message. Proverbs chapter 13, one verse, verse number 20. And then 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter, verse 33. And I'm going to actually read that from the New International Version, which is something I don't normally do, but I'm going to do it tonight just because the wording that is used is a little more clear with what I am wanting to speak about tonight. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20. He that walketh with wise men shall be wise. But a companion of fools shall be destroyed. So it is important who your friends are. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33 in the New International Version. Do not be misled. Bad company. King James Version says something along the lines of bad communication or evil communication. The New International Version says bad company corrupts good character. By the help of the Lord tonight, I, I want to preach, and I'm actually going to be preaching and using an example out of 2 Samuel, and I'm going to be preaching on the subject, the danger of an ungodly friend the danger of an ungodly friend. Now, here's what I'm going to ask you to do tonight. I'm going to, first off, I want to ask you to help me preach, all right? Would you help me do that tonight? I, I need some adults that does more than nod your head. I need to hear some shouts of amen to come forward tonight. And when I get right down the line where you are, I want you to go ahead and shout amen. And when I'm preaching to somebody beside you, just go ahead and shout amen. And when I'm preaching to... Somebody in front of you or behind you, go ahead and preach, say amen tonight. Would you do that for me? The danger of an ungodly friend. Lord, we need your help tonight. I pray your anointing power and spirit to be upon the messenger, to speak what you have laid upon my heart. Give me courage, Lord, to let the Holy Ghost flow through me. In Jesus' name, amen. In the book of Samuel, the 13th chapter, there is a story about a man named Amnon. And Amnon had an ungodly friend named Jonadab. Jonadab misguided Amnon. And he ended up wrecking Amnon's life. And in the end, it led to Amnon's demise that ultimately ended in Amnon being murdered because of a sinful act that he had done to Tamar. Now understand with me a little bit tonight that Amnon was a king's kid. He was the son of David, the king of Israel. He lived in a palace. He enjoyed all the regal splendors of a child of the king. Amnon finds himself in a very strange predicament. He has fallen in love with Tamar. The problem was, are you ready for this? He had fallen in love with Tamar, but Tamar was his sister. 
That's sick, isn't it? It was actually his half-sister. They had different mothers, but they shared the same father. And actually, custom in that time, don't anybody get any ideas? But customary in that time, it was not known as being evil. Although Amnon knew it was not right and that he would do no evil, Amnon knew it wasn't right. But the battle began to be fought in the confines of his mind. And this is where most sins of the flesh actually dwell. They dwell in the confines of the mind. Can I be real with you tonight? So many sins are birthed in the mind. That's why pornography is such a huge issue. Barna Research tells us that 70% of men in churches are dealing with the sin of pornography. I thought you were going to shout amen. Amnon knew it wasn't right, but the battle was in his mind. He entertained a thought that he should have destroyed from the very beginning when it first started in his mind. He entertained a thought that he should have put in, uh, he should have put under his feet. He should have found himself a prayer closet. He should have gone on a fast. He should have done whatever he needed to do to put it under his feet. The Apostle Paul speaks to such an issue in Romans the 7th chapter and the 23rd verse. He said, there is a law that is in my members. He said, it is, it is a war that is going on. There is a law. He said, it's warring against the law of my mind and bringing me, the flesh, into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. Let me break that down for you. The Apostle Paul said, there is something that goes on in me. He said that, I understand that in this flesh there is no good thing. But he said, in this flesh there is a law that I can't really explain. But something gets a hold of me. And when I don't want to do certain things, there is an evil that gets a hold of me. And this flesh bows to it. He goes on to tell us that the only way to overcome that kind of sin is to die daily. It's in the mind that some of our greatest battles are won or lost. It's in the mind that so often you will determine the outcome of the war. You will either win the battle on a day-to-day -day basis or you will lose the war in the end and die the death of a foolish man because you allowed the flesh and sin to rule instead of doing what you know to do. There is power in what you place in your mind. This is why we must be careful with what we feed our minds. The thoughts, the conversation, the language, the music, the books, the movies, the websites, and the friends are all developing our mind, our thoughts, and our future. I've quoted it twice in the last two weeks and the Spirit of the Lord inspires me to say it again. But someone wisely said, show me a man's friends and I will show you their future. If you think you have defeated your thoughts, but yet you're dwelling on the same thing. You claim that you have defeated because you're not acting on them. You're only thinking on them. You are only fooling yourself. You must understand this. If you think negative thoughts, in the end, you will end up speaking negatively. If you think lustful thoughts, in the end, you will have lustful actions. If you allow the enemy to put thoughts in your mind that you entertain that are unholy and unrighteous, those thoughts will become subtle desires 
And those desires, if they are not reined in, will morph into unbridled passion that will eventually be acted out in your life. If that passion is not quenched, it will eventually become an action. And that action put into motion becomes sin in the eyes of God. Eventually, that sin will drive a wedge isolating you from the presence of an almighty God. And it all starts with a thought in the mind. The path of sin will lead you to a place of pain, torment, addiction, bondage, and absolute loss of self-control. All the while, you will be saying, it's not an addiction. I can overcome it. I can stop anytime I want. If that's true, show me that for the next 21 days and tell me you're not struggling with it. I've seen far too many good, strong, sold out young people and saints of God alike lose the battle in their mind and end up losing their relationship with God all because they didn't fight the battle when it was a small thing in the mind. Beware of the small fox for it is the small fox that spoils the vine. In other words, it starts small but in the end it will destroy your life and future. I refuse to put things in my mind that is going to be a detriment to my relationship and walk with God. I want to get it out of my mind, get the thought out of my mind. Why dwell on things that I say I never intend to act on? We have but one option. Never start entertaining those thoughts. Pastor, I can't help it. They come to my mind. It's not sin for a thought to come to your mind. It is sinful for you to entertain the thought and let it remain. When you allow the thought to remain, oh, if some of you just want to judge me for what I just said, I want you to walk right on up here and let me read your mail a little bit because you saw that person walk by and you looked and had a thought. Don't sit there and act all pious and act like you've never had a lustful thought or an evil thought and you've never talked about your brother or your sister and you've never had an un... But the only way to victory is to put it under your feet and speak the name of Jesus and say, I'm not going there. I'm not looking at that anymore. I'll get that website off of my phone. I'll get that off of my iPad. I'm not going back there. I'm not hanging out there. I'm not driving that way anymore. I'm not hanging out with that friend any longer. The issue is that the downfall of far too many people is because they start negotiating with the enemy. And hell doesn't deal fairly. The first thing you've got to do is stop listening to the lies of your adversary. He is against you. There is nothing of evil that is for you. Well, I enjoy it. You can enjoy it for a season. Even the writer in the scripture, Moses said, I would rather suffer with the people of God than enjoy the pleasure of sin for a season. I'm not here to tell you that the flesh doesn't want it and doesn't desire it, but I'm here to tell you it will only be a season and it will destroy you. You need to overcome it now so that you don't have to face it when it's larger. Kill the, kill the lion when it's a small kitten. Don't try to fight it when it's a full grown lion and above all 
Be careful who is speaking into your life. The longer I pastor, the the more I realize that I pastor very few people. Oh, you were supposed to shout amen. The longer I pastor, the more I realize that people do what they want to do. Instead of seeking godly counsel, they give direction on information of what they have decided they're going to do. Whether it's right or whether it's wrong, whether it's biblical or whether it's unbiblical. We do what we're going to do, make our decision, and then pray that everything works out. I don't find that anywhere in Scripture. The first thing you need to do is seek godly counsel. The second thing you need to do is go to God in prayer and begin to pray that God will send you clear direction. So we see Amnon, the king's son, a young man that had all the privileges of growing up in the king's palace, all of the luxuries and upbringing of being the son of the king, but yet he still lost the battle. Now I want to help somebody tonight that may be in the king's house. You see, because you can be in the king's house and still not be saved. You can sit at the king's table and eat the king's food and walk through the king's palace and have a love for the, th- the things of the king in your life but end up losing it all in the end. Because that's what Amnon did. There's a brutal reality that some of us need to understand that just because they sat next to you in the king's house doesn't always mean that they're going the same direction that you are going. That's why who you hang out with, who you seek counsel from, who you date and who you marry, and who you run with, an old, old saying, unbiblical saying, birds of a feather. You know it already because it's an old saying that is very true. The Bible said you'll know the tree by the fruit it bears. This is what I've noticed. Fruit trees that grow in the wild have a tendency to not just grow one, but you'll find one apple tree in the wild. You'll find multiple apple trees because they have a way of clinging together. And when you find one persimmon tree, And when you find one person that likes to gossip, when you find one person that says, ah, it's no big deal, it's sin, but it's no big deal, I'm going to forgive them because they're my friend, you better leave that up to God to forgive. You better be the one speaking wisdom into their life and standing back and saying, God, your will be done. Love them, care for them, but be careful about taking sides with evil. And certainly be careful about seeking their counsel and their wisdom or lack thereof. What was Amnon's demise? What was his downfall? Amnon had an ungodly friend. I would go out on a limb tonight to make this statement that there are people here in this room that have connected themselves with people that if you're not real careful, they will destroy your future. I wish God would have spoken directly to me and told me who I was preaching this to tonight. That way I'd just walk down the aisle and stand and look you right face to face. But the Lord put this in my spirit tonight, and I don't know, maybe it's because it was for more than one, and maybe it's a word of warning because some people want to make some changes in their life moving into 2019. But I've seen far too many people destroy their lives, destroy the possibility of being used in the kingdom of God because of who they choose to run with and seek counsel from. Oh, you want me to get in the Bible? I will. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse number 4. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? This is a whole lot more than just who you're married to. But be ye not unequally yoked. 
That means I'm not pulling the same direction you're pulling. If you're not on your way to heaven and on your way to peace and unity in the kingdom of God, I'm not linking up with you. It's not about who you're married to as much as who you're connected to, who you're hanging out with, who you're running with, who you're socializing and spending time with. Can I have the liberty to speak into some of your lives tonight? I love you. I love every saint of God that he has blessed me to be able to be your pastor. I love every person that walks in the doors of this building. Be saint or sinner. Jesus was accused because he ate with sinners. I'll take the accusation if somebody doesn't like the fact that I'll give anyone my time, my energies, and my effort as long as I see them wanting to serve God. But let me speak clearly to you tonight. If your acquaintances are more sold out to being a sinner than you are to being a saint, you better disassociate yourself Because greater is he that is in them. Oh, I know you can quote the scripture, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world all you want to. But if Christ is not truly in you, greater is he that is in them. Because you're no match for the devil unless you have Christ in you. When you're full of the Holy Ghost, then you can speak greater is he that is in me. And there's not a devil in hell that can stop you when you've got God on your side. Come on, if he's alive in you, you ought to give him glory. If he's alive in you, there's not a devil in hell that can stop you. You ought to give him honor and give him praise because you're on the right track. Your praise can send the devil to flight. I refuse to hang out with dream killers. I refuse to run with negative, pessimistic, critical, condescending people. Give me somebody with faith. Give me somebody with hope. Give me somebody that says we can. Thank you for letting me preach my heart to you tonight. But somebody in this house needs to let go of individuals that are drawing the life out of you, drawing the spirituality out of you, drawing the faith out of you, drawing the hope out of you. You need to say, get behind me, Satan. I'm walking into 2019 with faith, hope, love, believing God is going to do greater things in my future. On more than one occasion, I've had people look at me and say, Pastor, I've got myself in over my head. I don't know how to get out of this. Let me help you. Are you ready? It's this easy. Take that cell phone. Send one last text that says, delete my number. I'm deleting yours. I'm making a decision to live for God with all of my heart, soul, mind, or strength. Don't send me any more of your junk. You were, you were clapping a little bit stronger when I was preaching hope and faith to you. But now I'm telling you what you need to do. And you don't like it because it's against the flesh. But what you need to do is you need to send a text message to every friend, so-called friend of yours that fills your phone with filth and junk and garbage. And you need to say, not any longer. 2019's different. I know they're going to say you're not cool. Don't worry about it. Don't end up like Amnon. 
It's all right with me if you get the phone out right now while I'm preaching and start sending out the text and declaring in the name of the Lord, I'm going to walk into my future better than my past. I'm selling out to Jesus. But here's the concern. We're more worried about what our friends are going to say. We're more worried about who's following us on social media and being cool. Can I talk to the parents for a moment with all the love I can muster? When you block the leaders God has put in your life from being able to speak wisdom into your children's lives, you're setting them on a crash course with a destiny that you're not going to want to pay the price that it's going to cost you in the end. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to be so blunt and so bold. You can't let anybody and everybody connect with you. You've got to choose. Let me tell you, I've got two 20-year-olds and a 24-year-old, and you can ask any one of them. It wasn't but just a few days ago till I walked up to my 24-year-old and said, let me speak some wisdom into your life. Oh, you mean you do that, Pastor? Absolutely. Because I'm going to speak wisdom because that's what God put me in his life for. Making enemies tonight. You want to hang out with me? You better know this. I'm a child of God. I'm Jesus' name, apostolic, blood bought, Holy Ghost filled. I worship God out loud. My church claps and praises God with all of their heart. I'm not ashamed. I dare you young people to go back to school with a different attitude. You come from HYC pumped up. Why don't you go to school next week and start saying, hey, why don't you join me for a Bible study? Why don't you come to church with me on Sunday? You want to hang out with me? Come on. But I'm a friend of God. I'm a child of the King. Sit down for a minute. You are the salt of the earth. You're the light of the world. The salt of the earth. But if the salt has lost its savor, what good is it? Than to just be put down and used to melt snow, trodden underfoot. What good is it? Because salt is intended to affect everything that it comes in contact with. You put salt on fries. And the fries taste salty. You put salt on chicken. And the chicken tastes salty. I have yet to find any chicken that you can put in salt and roll it around and marinate it and pull the chicken out of the salt and reach down and pull out a pinch of salt and say, that tastes chickeny. Everything salt touches 
it changes. But nothing changes salt. Aiden, you are the salt. Branson, you're salty. Everywhere you go, everything you come in contact with, you just come over, I just made you salty. But you chicken, you, you didn't affect me one bit. You ungodly sinner that I eat lunch with, you're not affecting me one bit because I'm the salt. I'm not affected by the things of the world. This world doesn't affect me. I'm sent here to affect. God have mercy. I'm sent here to change everything in this city. I'm sent here to change everything I come in contact with. Salt transforms. It never conforms. That's why we love the crack addicts, the drug addicts, the alcoholics, the homosexuals. It doesn't matter what they come from, what lifestyle they came from. It doesn't matter. They don't affect me. I am the salt. We've been called out. We've been brought out. We're a royal priesthood. We're a peculiar people. We're a holy nation. And we're to show forth the praises of him who has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. Why don't somebody go ahead and give God a shout of praise. seated just for a moment. Amnon now was walking down the corridors of the palace. His face was gone. His eyes painted with dark circles from sleepless nights. His expression of worry and anxiety. His head bent over, his heart aching. And his friend Jonadab the son of Shema. Shema was one of David's brothers. It was his cousin. Amnon is friends with his own cousin. And his cousin, who would sit at the king's table next to him, was giving him advice. Amnon trusted his advice, his ungodly advice. He trusted him. He was connected to him. Jonadab looks at Amnon and inquires of him, Man, what's wrong with you? You look sick. You look weary. Can I tell you that some of your worst enemies may sit next to you and guise themselves? in the cloak of concern while all the while they are on a mission from hell to destroy your God-given calling and mission to make you unusable. Satan always comes as an angel of light before he pulls you into his darkness. Amnon's response to Jonadab was, it's Tamar, my half-sister. I'm in love with Tamar. 
I want her. But I will not shame her. I'll not bring a reproach to her. I know it's wrong. I've been battling it in my mind privately for a long time. Jonadab, nobody else knows. I'm only talking to you. I'm not sharing this secret with anybody else. Nobody else would understand. But let me just get frank with you, Jonadab. My sister's hot. What? What are you thinking? Oh, you pious guy, you. Sitting at the king's table, I could bring you down. So Amnon listens to the voice of Jonadab. And Jonadab develops a plot and places it into action. Jonadab's plot is that Amnon pretends to be sick. And when David comes to ask what he can do, the plot is is to tell David, if Tamar could just come and fix me some salty chicken noodle soup. Then when she comes and she brings you the soup, she will be alone and you will be alone and you will act on your lustful desire and you will shame her and you will destroy your future. But let's not talk about that. It's going to be awesome for a few moments. So Amnon listens to the voice of Jonadab's. His plot is placed in the action. And Tamar comes in with soup and she begins to beg Amnon, don't do this. But the scripture says that he overcomes her with her strength, with his strength. And he steals her innocence. And then after the sin is conceived, something very devious happens. Jonadab, evidently, along with Tamar, decides that nothing will be done. So Amnon now, as Tamar leaves his room, he orders her out of his room, as a matter of fact. He tells her to leave. He told her he hated her, but it wasn't her that he hated. He was hating himself because of what he had done to her and how he had destroyed his future, but he put his blame on her. He hated what he had done and what he had become. I'm preaching today about more than just bad company and bad decisions. But I'm coming tonight to talk to some people about faking your way through and think someday there's going to be a flip of a switch and things are going to be different. It will never happen. I'm calling you on this last Sunday night to deal with some of the sins of your mind and heart. Deal with them tonight. Put some friends out of your life tonight for two years Tamar shuts herself in her bedroom she cries she hides in shame never would she be able to marry never would she be whole again because of what Amnon had done to her Amnon walks the halls of the palace acting as if nothing happened. He passed and repassed. Even Absalom, Tamar's full brother, talked with Amnon as if everything was good for two years. Whether he knew at that time or not, I'm uncertain, but Absalom, in his heart, could not stand his cousin for what he had done. Can I just say this to you? Until the sin issue is covered by the blood of Jesus, it has the ability to come back and to stalk us down 
and destroy us. So now another evil plan and another evil plot. Absalom plans a party. Amnon was going to be the guest of honor. A plot now put into place into action. Absalom had given the instruction that after they had well drunken, the servants were going to come in and take Amnon and they were going to kill him for what he had done. As best I can research in Scripture, Amnon was around 15 at the time of the attack on Tamar. Around 17 or 18 at the, at the time of his death. What a shame. A king's kid. Killed by a plot of the person that he confided in and thought he was his closest friend and his closest friend's plot backfires because instead of seeking counsel and wisdom of godly elders, he sought the counsel of a lustful peer that wanted his position. So Amnon died as a fool because he had an ungodly friend. Can I tell you tonight, young people and adults alike, Satan has a plot for your life. Jesus looks at his disciple Peter and says, Satan desires to have you that he might sift you as wheat. The sifting as wheat represents that the good parts of the disciple Peter would be taken away, leaving only that which was unrighteous, unholy, and unbeneficial. And once sin conceives, it brings forth death. Satan has a plot for your life. When he comes, John chapter 10 and verse 10 says, The thief cometh not but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But the good part of that verse is, and I want you to understand this today, because while the devil has a plot to destroy you, God is fighting for you. There is hope for every person in this room if you're secretively struggling with an addiction in your life. If you're struggling because you have friends that are speaking into your life, there is hope for you. You are not alone. There is a church body here. There is a youth pastor. There's an assistant pastor. There's multiple ministers and ministries. There's a pastor and pastor's wife and dozens of godly friends that are here that cares about you, that wants to pray with you, that wants to point you in the right direction you got to deal with it while it's just in your mind before you take action on it. You need to deal with it tonight because God has a great plan for every one of your lives. Stand with me tonight if you would. Some of you may feel like, Pastor, you don't know what I've already done. You don't know where I've already been. There's a little scripture that talks about the shepherd going. And when he went to find the sheep, there wasn't much left. The scripture says something along the lines that there was there was a, a leg two legs and a piece of an ear was all that was left 
of the lamb, two legs, and a piece of an ear. Not much to work with, and they're in the mouth of the lion. But the scripture gives us a picture of Jesus as he goes to that lion and he commands that lion to release the two legs and the piece of an ear because the Lord says, I may not have much to work with, but if I can just get two legs and a piece of an ear, I got something to work with. And if I can make him, I can remake him. I want you to understand tonight, young person and saint of God alike, God wants to remake your life. It doesn't matter how far you've gone, what you've dealt with, how deep in sin that you have gone, who knows or who doesn't know. It really doesn't matter. But God sent your pastor tonight on this last night of the year. This isn't what I came wanting to preach tonight. I preached it because the Holy Ghost inspired me and said, go preach this to these young people and these adults and tell them there is hope for them. Don't go into the new year. Bring your two legs and that piece of an ear to the good shepherd tonight and let him start working afresh and anew. The altars are open. Why don't you respond tonight? God is saying I can work something new in you. I can work something fresh in you. I can remake you, restore you, renew you, make something out of you. It's not too late for you. The devil doesn't have the upper hand on you. You can find new friends. You can make new friends. Because the greatest friend you're going to ever have is the friend you're going to find in Jesus. What a friend we have in Jesus. All our grief and sins to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Why don't you call on Him tonight? Why don't you lift up your heart and your voice to Him right now? Come on, reach out to the Lord tonight. His arms are outstretched, full of mercy, full of grace, full of kindness. He loves you more than anything. He loves you more than anything. He wants you to come to Him. Come unto me, all ye that are weary and heavy laden. Bring it to Him tonight. Pour it out to Him tonight. Here I am, God. Here I am, God. Here I am, God. In pieces, but your strength is perfect in all of my weakness. Here I am. Lord, I am broken. My life is in pieces, but your strength is perfect in all of Why don't some of you godly saints find a young person and just go connect with them? Why don't some of you parents find your children and just go lay hands on them? Why don't some of you grandparents cover some of these young people in prayer tonight? There's an adversary fighting them, coming against them. But we're going to overcome by the name of the Lord. Come on, pour it out to the Lord. Pour it out to the Lord. Lord, I am broken. My life is in pieces, but your strength is perfect in all of my weakness. Lord, I am broken. My life is in pieces, but your Come on, get real with God. Get real with God. Don't do lip service tonight. Give him your heart. Give him your heart. Give him your heart. Give him your heart.
Strength is perfect. 